0: This podcast is brought to you by Story King Books. Sign up now and get a free copy of my latest ebook, Launch Your Podcast Like a Pro. The link will be in the show notes. And now for today's episode. Welcome to the Story King Podcast, a show featuring inspirational conversations about the art and business of storytelling and living life. I'm your host, John Carlo, and today's guest is Cleveland-born, New York City-based comedian and renaissance man, Sean Wickens. Sean is not only a comedian, but also an author, podcaster, runs a theater festival, and is part of a collective you can hire to do gratitude calls, where they call your parents to let them know what a great job they did raising you. Here is my conversation with Sean Wickens. Sean Wickens, welcome to the Story King Podcast.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: Awesome. Why don't we start off with you just telling us a little bit about your story, who you are, what you do for... Listener's not familiar with your work.
1: Oh, sure. I've recently, very recently, fully embraced my um, reality of sort of stoner, slacker, comedian. I, I live in New York City, and I've done it by, I think, accident. I've done it making my, letting myself survive on a little bit of art, and then just the weird jobs that I come across. I'm a retired residential window cleaner.
0: Hmm.
1: I've also unloaded trucks for Broadway shows the, the best of, of theater in the world. I've unloaded some of those trucks, you know? <laughs> and nice. then, um, yeah. And so I, I used to run a film festival, a theater festival. I, I'm, I'm kind of a stoner comedian and I've over the past year and a half, you know, some comedians are angry that they haven't been able to perform but I've done some of the best shows for myself by myself over the last year and a half. <laughs> I've entertained myself so efficiently that um, I feel like I should get paid just to sort of sit around and think. So that's a little bit about me.
0: <laughs> now, you said uh, stoner comedian. Is this like an actual like genre that everybody is familiar with that you that you keep saying or is that just what you you call your particular group
1: i think it's maybe i don't know if it's a, a universally um recognized genre but i think it's like a recognized universally recognizable genre everyone would be like oh yeah i get what that is um, Okay. if you asked me now if i'm stoned <laughs> the answer is always sometimes okay that's always the answer because that's most truthful thing that you can say in a way that it's always true sometimes i'm stoned sometimes i'm not anyway i found out that i used to keep my cannabis usage private and it was never like all the time it was always just once in a while but i feel like once i started letting people know these jokes that i'm telling you i did come up with them while i was stoned it makes the jokes make more sense (laughs) i got you i realized people are more relaxed around me when they feel find out that i am sometimes stoned that's how. that's how good i am at getting stoned the fact (laughs) that i do it it makes other people relaxed
0: (laughs) it reminds me i i'm i'm from new york city too i just moved to tennessee just a few months ago with my family Mm -hmm. and uh it reminds me of uh what was it called drunk shakespeare Do you remember that in in Manhattan? Yeah, but they would just take shots and try to do Shakespeare.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I know of the show. I've heard so many good things about the show, and I've never gone to see the show. Not that I would tell anyone not to go to it. I just feel like I get the idea.
0: You know, since you are talking about cannabis, I, I recently had somebody on, and he was talking about just all the stigmas of drug usage in general he has a whole that's what his whole thing is about is trying to de-stigmatize drug usage and and especially cannabis you know and, and he had heavy drug usage in his past before and everything yeah. so I, I know you talk a little bit about that too and and is that like a podcast you have that was the general idea of it
1: yeah I have a uh, I sort of have a collective with a few friends it's called stoner morning show and it's mm-hmm. you know sometimes we do live streaming things sometimes we do a live show we do a lot of things but it's the idea is that it's a group of stoners trying to do a talk show and um it's sort of modeled off of the morning shows the you know local morning news shows which you know when some someone asks me sean what are your who are your comedic influences i feel it's actually tv news bloopers on youtube right That's what I'm inspired by, because in some ways, Stoner Morning Show, which is a bunch of stoners getting together, talking about the news, but about life as well. well. It was inspired by the, the humor behind not wanting to F up, which is ridiculous because it's like if you're on a news show and you accidentally misspeak a word, you're doing what humans do. Why are you not supposed to do that? You're, you're telling yourself that you are making an error, which is it seems prohibitive for delivering the news, you know. Right. Um, but um, yeah, stigma's a, a big thing. I, uh, I I still live in New York. You just moved out of uh, Queens. Is it where mm-hmm. you're from? Originally? Yeah. Yeah. But Tennessee's a beautiful state as well. I've traveled through it. Mm-hmm. I've seen lovely parts of it. You know. So there's a stigma about t- Tennessee that you you can now speak against or for in some ways. <laughs> of, no, you're you're
0: uh, absolutely. Yeah, people I think just like to have these quick filters, you know, like oh you're you're that way, you're this yeah. way, right? So I mean, I think that's uh I'm I'm just curious. I asked this question because I I people have been all over the map with this question, you know, seeing oh, so. cannabis as a gateway drug, you know, and I know um, people yeah. who were addicted to heroin who, who said that. And then I know other people who are addicted to heroin who said, no, it's nothing like that at all. So obviously you're in the latter camp.
1: Yeah. And you know, I, I see myself as an artist first and a comedian first. I never thought that I would eventually be a cannabis advocate, Uh Um, but in all honesty, and in all honesty, I am somebody, people don't know this about me. I am somebody who has trouble relaxing. Hmm. I seem relaxed all the time, but internally I'm very high strung. And when you tell people that they don't believe it because they don't see it. Right. Right. So uh, my life has changed, I think, dramatically and for the better over the last year and a half, two years, partly because of meditation, partly because of, you know, some good books I've read and some social interactions I've had, you know, some good environments I've been in and cannabis usage has been part of that as well, because it's like, it has, as somebody who has difficulty relaxing, it was difficult to relax in very traumatic times. And I was living alone at the time and I was having zero human interaction, you know, reaching out to people digitally, Mm -hmm. uh, which was good, but the other good thing is that I learned to live with myself in a way that I wasn't able to when I had access to people. And cannabis has just been a small part of that. Comedy as well.
0: When did you uh, first get involved in comedy?
1: It's hard to say, I don't know. I, I grew up wanting to be a comedian. Okay. And then thought I would, and then when I entered sort of a, a, a young adult age, thought I should be giving sort of like psychology pursuits a, a, a test. You know what I mean? Like maybe mm-hmm. I'll become a therapist. And and, or, and then I didn't like that. And then I was like, maybe I'll become a, um, a TV news camera guy for, for, for whatever reason. And then kind of like embarrassingly still trying to do comedy stuff on the side, you know? So in some ways, a very big date for me is, um, 2004 when I moved to New York City with no goals or plans really (laughs) Uh, I knew I had a a sublet apartment waiting for me in uh, Williamsburg and from there taking improv classes because I had stage fright but I knew I wanted to be on stage because I knew I could be funny but I didn't think I had the ability to write jokes I thought I could just be funny in the moment Mm -hmm. Um, and I needed other people around me you know So from there I did uh, improv and improv tricked me into finding out that I could write jokes. And now I do more of that, but also some theater production along the way, film festival production. I've I've been involved in too much, but I (laughs) I like to dream large.
0: (laughs) Well, I think it's interesting that you had stage fright and yet you had this desire to be in comedy, which it's, it's, it's not just going on stage, like there's this expectation that you're supposed to be funny when you get up there. <laughs> oh yeah. it's you know, so that's that's uh you know, kudos to you. That that's brave to have sta- stage fright and to want to overcome that to to be right. funny. You know, that's 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 very interesting because a lot of people that I know who who are stage fright and very shy. I mean, yeah. that's like their worst. They'd rather die than than get up on stage somewhere. You know? yeah. so.
1: <laughs> I think that um, in some ways there should be things that you need to overcome if it's mm-hmm. something that you're serious about pursuing. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. in some way, I also do teach comedy once in a while. And sometimes I have students say that they think they have something to say and they feel that they're funny but they don't know if anybody wants to hear their words, you know? Right. And I always say that I would rather listen to somebody on stage who fears being there even just a little bit, rather than somebody who like needs this, you know? Because if they just need the attention and the adoration, it doesn't matter what they're saying because maybe they're saying anything in order to get the attention that they crave. Right. I would rather hear somebody who has a little bit of doubt, you know?
0: How is improv like doing that for the first time? You know, especially you're somebody trying to overcome stage fright. You said improv helped you, but I would imagine, too, improv was also kind of intimidating. You don't have the audience, right? Or do you have an audience when you first do it?
1: Well, when you take instruction, it's, you know, it's kind of like an acting workshop is what it is. And, um, you know, there's other students there. There's an instructor. And in some ways, even though you're paying to be there and you're there to learn, you are still doing a show in a classroom setting because there are other people there. In some ways, it's the nicest way to do a show because those audience members are so wanting to laugh because they also want to be funny, you Mm -hmm. know? So in, you know, doing shows for real is an interesting challenge, but like for somebody who had stage fright and was taking improv classes to get over it, I was in a place where people were ready to like discover humor, you know? It was a lovely way to be introduced to New York. And it was also uh, an efficient way to create a nice support system because I do have a lot of, I mean, mostly acquaintances, but I do have some tight friends too that I met through the comedy community. And I mean, you know this as well from living in New York, you you grew up there, so it's a little bit different, but uh, like, it's a weird town and, I have adult friends who moved there and then left, and they said they couldn't function socially in New York. You know <laughs> what I mean
0: like, a what when they came uh, back, you mean
1: I mean it was just like um sometimes people move to New York and they have a job, but they just like don't have any social network. they have zero friends you know mm-hmm. um, and comedy was just a way to meet people kind of right and um I don't know, I think I might have answered the question, but if I forget what it was.
0: <laughs> uh, no, I was just asking about improv and how it helped you overcome stage fright. Oh, okay. And yeah, you did answer the question. And and yeah, um, community, I think, is, is, is an important thing. Even every, everywhere you go, even over here, you know, we love Tennessee, but the vibe is different. You know, the people are different. They're cool. But as New yeah. Yorkers, you know, we're used to people being a certain way. We're used to... It's it's just different. So we're trying to navigate, you know, the culture down here.
1: I think it's even that you're being in New York, you are exposed to variety. It's mm-hmm. not even that I don't think everyone I meet is assertive. But sometimes I mean there are a lot of assertive New Yorkers, but I don't know, people are just sort of like more different in ways that you than you can expect. In a mm-hmm. way. Right. And I don't know. <laughs> a place where smaller, it's a smaller population, it's just like less variety of types
0: yeah it's like my wife said she's like you know i I miss all the interesting people (laughs) and i said i said i said there are interesting people here we just have to find them you know we just have to and talk more to people you know so we just got into a lot of different conversations in new york and you know that's what a lot of people don't know when you go to new york like almost anybody's willing to talk if you're like talking to them you know we have that we have that stigma You know, yeah. that that we're just like, we don't want to talk to you, but we're just bottom line people trying to get to where we're going or whatever. But, you know, New Yorkers do want to talk and.
1: Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think in different parts of the country, you're just sort of like less vocal um, is, is part of it. You know what I mean? It takes longer to get to those like interesting specificities. Right. Uh, I've been to Nashville. I have a good musician friend who moved back to Nashville I have comedian friends who went on the road in a van during the lockdown and sort mm. of, like did uh, parking lot shows um, oh cool but they found an open mic in chattanooga tennessee they th- that they said was incredible i don't wow. know if you're near any of those um destinations but
0: yeah I'm, I'm 30 minutes of Nashville. Chattanooga's about two hours away. so uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And Chattanooga has a club too that comedians go to. I forgot the name of it, but Seinfeld, I think was is coming up next next month yeah. or whatever. So yeah, it's got a little vibe to it. Hey everybody, I just wanted to take the time to let you know about my latest book. It's called Massimo's Mirror and Other Stories. It's my first collection of short stories. The book uses fantasy, science fiction, and fairy tales to create a world where a magical array of protagonists conquer their fears, battle forces of evil, and step up to meet their potential. Suitable for the secular and religious alike, these stories are full of symbolism and quirky characters, including aliens, robots, angels, demons, superheroes, Gods, animals, giants monsters, and dragons, and just the right length to hold the attention of children and adults alike, all 50 stories are crafted to entertain and make us see behind the veil of reality, and perhaps teach something along the way. The ebook and paperback editions are available on Amazon. You can purchase an autographed copy on my website, storykingbooks.com. Also, if you sign up on Story King Books with your email, you'll get a free copy of my latest PDF resource, Launch Your Podcast Like a Pro. And now back to today's episode. Let me ask you, you, when you reached out, you said you created some unusual and unique artistic project. So what are we talking when you say that?
1: Oh, sure. So, well, Stoner Morning Show itself is an interesting, unusual project. It's, you know, comedian friends getting together and talk and meet interesting people. I used to run the Bad Theater Fest, which was not theater for the sake of doing something horribly, but it was like free yourself the need for it to be great (laughs) try something you know but one of the things my stoner friends and i came up with was and this came out of the pandemic it was an idea of just reaching out to people because Hmm. what you do is you hire us and we call your parents and let them know that they should be proud of your child That's that's it
0: that's an amazing uh adventure so that's what you call gratitude calls right Correct. So it's specifically it's, parents that you're calling.
1: Well, that was the original idea. I mean, you can have us call anybody and let them know. But uh, I mean, again, this was an idea out of the pandemic and when things were a little like lonelier and scarier. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And it's like expressing gratitude is a way to a good way to spread good vibes. Yeah. What's a nice way to show, send send gratitude? It's by calling somebody to let them know that their offspring is making positive contributions to the world. (laughs) Even if it is in the form of they paid us to want you to hear, have this nice feeling. Uh, Right. But the calls are weird because some people are a little scared by it at first.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Do they think they're like live on public radio when you call or are you doing it live or or are you like airing it live?
1: No, we don't do it live. It's a private, private thing. Our show is a live show, but yeah, if you want us to call somebody, I know it's a convoluted thing, but the weird thing about making somebody scared by calling them up and saying, yes, I'm calling on behalf of your son, whatever, whoever, (laughs) Michael, whatever. We just want you to know you should be very proud of him. Like it's, they're scared and then it's a relief. And it's so a lot of emotions are um, combining.
0: Well, that intro sounds like a cop is telling you that your son's dead or something. <laughs> I
1: know. There's no good way to intro it, though. You have to right. it
0: and then get to the nice thing, you know? Right. Walk me through how this works. Somebody calls you. And do you still do this, by the way? Or that was mostly during the pandemic? Uh, I mean, we're still it, in it, but you know what I mean?
1: It was mostly in the pandemic. We'll still do it now, of course. Mother's day is coming up. If, if you uh, (laughs) birthdays are always around, but yeah, if you go to the website, you can fill out a form. Who do you, who, who do you want us to contact any information you want to provide? We'll just do a phone message too. If we can't reach them, you know what I mean? Some ways the phone message is a little nicer because they, you know what I mean? Like people get messages all the time. So it's
0: right. So the, the idea is really to show gratitude towards the parents or whoever they want you to to call. Is, yeah, is that kind of the a, idea? It's
1: a specific way to spread goodwill, and and you know, I um I I've done this for a few friends, and the friends of mine said that it made their moms' day. Mm. To just know that their son or daughter was thinking about them. To uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It's a weird gesture, but, uh, n- good gestures take effort. So it's just about putting more effort into doing that.
0: Right now. That's what fascinated me the most about when I was looking at your, uh, you know, your, your bio and everything that, that you sent me, I was like, wow, that's, that's such an interesting idea, <laughs> you know, to oh. show gratitude and, you know, and it, it sounds like you're really hyper-conscious of, you know, being a force good and using your talents and resources to make the world, you know, a, a better place. What, what motivates you to be like that?
1: I don't know. I guess um, I had, uh, my mother was very interested in like social justice issues and um, she was also very, I think, hyper aware about telling her kid teaching her kids like that we are people who treat others respectfully, you know what I mean? So I think that was a big part of it. And once you do that, you find that other people are fun. <laughs> and it's like, you know, it's, if it takes effort to interact with people in meaningful ways, but those meaningful ways produce wonderful results, it's, you know, keep doing it, I guess.
0: Um, right. And talk about the bad theater fest. You mentioned it, but. Sure. Um, I I like the I love the title of it. But how would it actually like work out?
1: Uh, yeah. So it was it it was always like a showcase of small theater pieces, you know, so a lot of the. In some ways, the, this idea even came out of the, the sort of um, supply and demand problem of for stage time for performers. You know, like everybody wants stage time, but it's some, in some ways difficult to get, even though there's so much available in New York, you know, because I, we had comedian friends, artist friends, playwright friends. They wanted to do more, but it was just so difficult to do a lot. And it, so we just offered the ability of like, well, what if you did a short piece, five minutes, 10 minutes? And then um, so the festival sort of put together a bunch of short pieces from people. They were, you know, very experimental. Some of them were solo performances. Some of them had large casts, up to like fifteen people. We had mm-hmm. we had a short show called Curling the Musical. I think it was like twenty minutes long, but it 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 you know it was like Rocky set to music, but it was about curling, <laughs> and I, it was like beautiful. And I think they wanted to do it multiple places after Bad Theater Fest, but it just never went anywhere from there. But other shows did go on, you know. So it it was like a a festival of like practicing at theater, I feel like. Every year we would run for four to seven nights. We'd have like 50 to 60 short shows throughout that whole run. Usually the audience walked away happy. Sometimes uh, shows were a miss, but even if we weren't called Bad Theater Fest, whatever a theater festival would be, some theater would have been, you know, some theater wouldn't have lived up to expectations. So it was like, it really was just like regular theater. Right. <laughs> <And> so,
0: <laughs> it's, it's, it's almost like a, mar- a marketing idea to do that, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um,
1: and in some ways, like New York is the place for a bad theater festival to live because, you know, there is so much there. Some of it does have to be bad.
0: <laughs> right. So I got two questions for you. So the sure. first one is, what would you recommend for people who want to get involved in comedy and getting on stage? I mean, you're somebody who had to overcome stage fright. So I think you're a good person to ask this question. So what would you recommend for people wanting to kind of get in that, that field? What, what, what would you say to the person?
1: Yeah, I think that so obviously, you have to try to find like open mics in your area, and uh, you know usually bars or restaurants, sometimes coffee shops will have them. Sometimes they're just for for comedy. Sometimes it's like a variety show for music and poetry and and, and whatever. But once you find places that will let you get on stage to practice, my advice for beginners is to be boring. Don't try to be funny. Just get up on stage and let that be a triumph. You know Mm. what I mean? Like, and even just admit that you're new and you're just trying stuff out, lower people's expectations. Right. And that's not because I don't think people are capable of doing like amazing things right, right off the bat, but it's, it's, it's so easy to defeat ourselves. You know, if we don't get the reaction that we're hoping for, or even, and I've done this to myself, it was like, yeah, they laughed at that one joke, but they didn't laugh at those other three. Right. I mean, it's not as much of a win as you want qualitatively or quantitatively, but I mean, you still succeeded. So I really tell beginners or even people who are just trying to get back into it because they've been, you know, taking a break for whatever reason. Just try to be boring and truthful and ordinary. Um, and people are more intrigued by that than we realize, I feel like. And there is comedy in those truthful, boring things.
0: Right. And, I, you know, that that's fantastic advice. I've never heard that before either. So that that's a very unique take on it. You know, usually uh, I was expecting to say, oh, just do it which you kind of did in the beginning, but then you said, be boring. And that's such a freeing, uh, liberating thing. Like, don't, don't try to be great. And it reminds me as a writer, right. They always say, Hey, just write badly. It's going to take you a lot of writing before your writing is, is good. You know, like if, especially if you're just beginning, you know, you got at least 10 years before you're good, (laughs) you know, if you're just starting out. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Everybody has those examples of people who were just amazing from the beginning, You know, like randomly, I just watched a documentary about HG Wells. I think Mm. he wrote one book that was kind of a hit and then his next book was War of the Worlds or something. And then, you know, he wrote for 60 years. Anyway, yeah, we we never see anybody's struggles behind the scenes for any artistic endeavor that they're, we never see the struggles. Um, So it's even fun to just talk about the struggles Like some of my material is just about the headaches of trying to get to a show in another town. Like it's a pain in the ass, you know? Right. Um, But it's relatable. Um, And um, and, and in some ways, it's also my theory behind comedy is that um, I don't write a lot. Because I I just try to live a lot. (laughs) And then by living uh, and getting involved in a lot of different things, like that is how material happens. And you're just, you're on stage then talking about life. Um, Everybody's interested about writing jokes, which I I also, I mean, it, it also is, takes practice and there's a craft to that but sometimes just talking about life leads to a joke and then you can sort of remove all of the preamble and then you just have a joke there.
0: Right. Oh, that's awesome. Awesome advice. Yeah. Very liberating. I like that. Be boring. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Now this is a question I ask every guest, got to put your creative hat on. Okay. (laughs) If you could have any superpower... What would it be, and why?
1: Oh, um, yeah, i I think I have thought about this for for years, you know what I mean <laughs> now this is now this is the part why I sell myself as somebody who just get paid to think. Of course, flying would be great, you know, any of those sort of comic book superpowers would be wonderful super strength would be would be good. but I think if you had the superpower create empathy in other people, you would change the world more so than anybody who has the ability to shoot fire out of their eyes.
0: <laughs> so that was superpowered to do what you said?
1: Oh, create empathy in other people.
0: Oh, wow.
1: Not even just, just to create a moment of it. Cause you don't want to brainwash them into having empathy and then they have no control. You know what I mean? You want them to experience one moment of it so that they'll think about that for the rest of their lives, perhaps, or, or you know, the next time they're in a situation like that.
0: Very useful superpower. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I also think that when um, different nations, this is this is not unrelated to your question a little bit, but this is just more thinking, th- more thoughts that I have. I, I think when nations get, get together to have negotiations, that there should be dogs in the room. <laughs> like whether people are dog lovers or not like there should just be a few you know so if you want to pet a dog that's great but if if they're just in the room i think it changes the dynamic of what's going on um in good ways
0: right it'll uh, relax the tension and energy a bit if there's a a, a happy dog wagging his tail around
1: <laughs> yeah and also nobody would start yelling and the dogs would start barking and then we can't get any work done so it's like hey let's just keep it down a little bit yeah i i think that should be a rule
0: (laughs) dogs in the room for all important meetings (laughs) i think
1: it couldn't hurt
0: right (laughs) it's worth a try anyway sean if people wanted to follow you online if they wanted to purchase your books where where can they go about doing that
1: in some ways, maybe the easiest way is to go to ston- stonermorningshow.com and then finding me through there. Um, but there's also seanwickens.com. If you Google any spelling of that, that you guess with comedian afterwards, you'll probably find me. But yeah, I'm on you know, Instagram and all of those things. We put out episodes of Stoner Morning Show pretty regularly. Awesome. You know, those are, those are fun and relaxed.
0: I and mean, when you get a chance to talk about your books, but you have self-published a few books, right?
1: I have. Yeah. Some of them have been like minor sort of, you know, bad theater fest, just experiments in some ways. I put out a book, just the title alone I thought was funny and I thought this needed to exist. But there's that Dr. Seuss book, Oh, The Places You'll Go. Yeah. I came up with a pseudo sequel to that called Oh, The Places You'll Go, number two. just hoping that i would land a few missed clicks sales of (laughs) of, you know what i mean i've sold a few Uh, but then years ago one of my first self-publishing books was i i just traveled the country and i interviewed people about how they lost their virginity and then i i put out a collection of like those unique different various stories
0: Oh, okay. Are they available on Amazon then?
1: That is. It's um, How to Lose Your Virginity and How Not To. Um, <laughs> it's not really an instructional book, but it's it, in some ways, even though I said that I didn't expect to be a cannabis advocate, the idea was, of this was kind of just breaking down the stigma of the fear of the first sexual encounter. You mm-hmm. know, like, you know, if there's sex ed in schools, when do we have opportunities to just like, you know, if you're gonna have safe sex physically, maybe there's emotionally way safer sex ways to, to go about it. You know what I mean? So it was like, and, and this is just an idea I had from some independent film I saw at a film festival. Like I'm not a sex therapist. I, I left um, my psychology uh, major and became a communication one. You know what I mean? But it was like, it was kind of like a road trip idea. I traveled around, I interviewed people.
0: That sounds like fun. <laughs> yeah,
1: I saw I got to see at the very least I got to see different parts of the country that I hadn't been to before, like Tennessee.
0: Oh. Awesome. So, first sexual experience, can we apply the be boring rule for that to take the uh pressure off? <laughs>
1: yeah, I think that's probably a good way to uh <laughs> yeah.
0: Maybe not the dogs in the room rule. We'll we'll leave that for another <laughs> <Yeah>. thing.
1: <laughs> Again, I'm not a therapist. I'm a stoner comedian, but these are just thoughts I'm sharing.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Sean, I'm going to make sure I have those links in the show notes. Thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your story with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. So that was my conversation with Sean Wickens. All of his links will be in the show notes. Don't forget to check out storykingbooks.com. Also, you can follow us on Instagram. The username is storyking.podcast. I post weekly short stories, writing tips, and quotes from famous authors. You don't want to miss that. And please click like on our Facebook page. We're at facebook.com forward slash storykingpodcast. If you'd like to be a part of what we're doing with this show, please consider becoming a patron. You could choose a monthly membership tier at www.patreon.com forward slash the story king all those links i just mentioned will be in the show notes one more thing if you're enjoying this podcast please do me the favor of sharing the show with your friends and on social media subscribing to it and leaving a positive review on itunes spotify anywhere you get your podcasts i would greatly appreciate it thank you for listening to the story king podcast a show about the art and business of storytelling and living life please join us next time until then